Peace and satisfaction can be derived from the foundation of a firm leadership, a person or movement of persons that naturally takes on part of the burden of choice for others. Sometimes it is out of necessity. Sometimes it is compelled. Other times there is no name for its cause and no explanation for its effects. This is Nighttime Stories, and I am H.P. Knightley. This week I bring you a shorter episode than we had originally intended, having just recovered in the studio from a brief catastrophe. Yesterday, the pipelines in our region, through which our voices roll and flow to you, and yours to us, were severed by the trident of a great scaled king. Having emerged initially from God's nowhere at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, or in mercantile areas of previous centuries, its literal size and figurative scale has grown such that it accidentally damages the tools of its own power, while trying to carefully carve out new niches to slither through. We are not innocent of serving it, and in fact, most do so happily here. So much so, that you do not go this week without an episode of our show, our scaly lord having inched away, and his many servants having healed the brief communications rift between me and you. Now, for the prose poem selected for this week, Narlothotep by H.P. Lovecraft, first published in 1920, United Amateur. Yarlathotep, the crawling chaos, I am the last, I will tell the audience void. I do not recall distinctly when it began, but it was months ago. The general tension was horrible. To a season of political and social upheaval, was added a strange and brooding apprehension of hideous physical danger, a danger widespread and all-embracing, such a danger as may be imagined only in the most terrible phantasms of the night. I recall that the people went about with pale and worried faces, and whispered warnings and prophecies which no one dared consciously repeat or acknowledge to himself that he had heard. A sense of monstrous guilt was upon the land, and out of the abysses between the stars swept chill currents that made men shiver in dark and lonely places. There was a demoniac alteration in the sequence of the seasons. The autumn heat lingered fearsomely, and everyone felt that the world and perhaps the universe had passed from the control of known gods or forces to that of gods or forces which were unknown. And it was then that Nalarothotep came out of Egypt. Who he was, none could tell, but he was of the old native blood and looked like a pharaoh. The fellow he knelt when they saw him, yet could not say why. He said he had risen up out of the blackness of twenty-seven centuries, and that he had heard messages from places not on this planet. Into the lands of civilization came Nalothotep, swarthy, slender, and sinister, always buying strange instruments of glass and metal, and combining them into instruments yet stranger. He spoke much of the sciences, of electricity and psychology, and gave exhibitions of power which sent his spectators away speechless, yet which swelled his fame to exceeding magnitude. Men advised one another to see Narothotep and shuddered, and where Narothotep went, rest vanished, for the small hours were rent with the screams of nightmare. Never before had the screams of nightmare been such a public problem. Now the wise men almost wished they could forbid sleep in the small hours, that the shrieks of cities might less horribly disturb the pale, 
pitying moon, as it glimmered on green waters gliding under bridges and old steeples crumbling against a sickly sky. I remember when Yalothotep came to my city, the great, the old, the terrible city of unnumbered crimes. My friend had told me of him, and of the impelling fascination and allurement of his revelations, and I burned with eagerness to explore his uttermost mysteries. My friend said they were horrible and impressive, beyond my most fevered imaginings, that what was thrown on a screen in the darkened room prophesied things none but Nalothotep dared prophesy, and that in the sputter of his sparks there was taken from men that which had never been taken before, yet which showed on in the eyes. And I heard it hinted abroad that those who knew Larothotep looked on sights which others saw not. It was in the hot autumn that I went through the night with the restless crowds to see Larothotep, through the stifling night and up the endless stairs into the choking room, and shattered on a screen I saw hooded forms amidst ruins and yellow evil faces peering from behind fallen monuments. And I saw the world battling against blackness, against the waves of destruction from ultimate space, whirling, churning, struggling around the dimming, cooling sun. Then the sparks played amazingly around the heads of the spectators, and hair stood up on end, while shadows more grotesque than I can tell came out and squatted on the heads. And when I was colder and more scientific than the rest, mumbled a trembling protest about imposture and static electricity. Yarothotep drave us all out, down the dizzy stairs into the damp, hot, deserted midnight streets. I screamed aloud that I was not afraid, that I never could be afraid, and others screamed with me for solace. We swear to one another that the city was exactly the same and still alive, and when the electric lights began to fade, we cursed the company over and over again, and laughed at the queer faces we made. I believe we felt something coming down from the greenish moon. From when we began to depend on its light, we drifted into curious, involuntary formations, and seemed to know our destinations, though we dared not think of them. Once we looked at the pavement, and found the blocks loose and displaced by grass, with scarce a line of rusted metal to show where the tramways had run. And again we saw a tram car, lone, windowless, dilapidated, and almost on its side. When we gazed around the horizon, we could not find the third tower by the river, and noticed that the silhouette of the second tower was ragged at the top. Then we split up into narrow columns, each of which seemed drawn in a different direction. One disappeared in a narrow alley to the left, leaving only an echo of a shocking moan. Another filed down a weed-choked subway entrance, howling with a laughter that was mad. My own column was sucked toward the open country, and presently felt a chill which was not of the hot autumn, for as we stalked out in the dark moor, we beheld around us the hellish moon-glitter of evil snows, trackless, inexplicable snows swept asunder in one direction only, where lay a gulf all the blacker for its glittering walls. The column seemed very thin indeed as it plodded dreamily into the gulf. I lingered behind, for the black rift in the green-litten snow was frightful, 
and I thought I had heard the reverberations of a disquieting wail as my companions vanished. But my power to linger was slight. As if beckoned by those who had gone before, I half floated between the titanic snowdrifts, quivering and afraid, into the sightless vortex of the unimaginable. Screamingly sentient, dumbly delirious, only the gods that work and tell, a sickened, sensitive shadow writhing in hands that are not hands, and whirled blindly past ghastly midnights of rotting creation. Corpses of dead worlds, with sores that were cities, charnel winds that brush the pallid stars and make them flicker low, beyond the world's vague ghosts of monstrous things, half-seen columns of unsanctified temples that rest on nameless rocks beneath space and reach up to dizzy vacua above the spheres of light and darkness. And through this revolting graveyard of the universe, the muffled, maddening beat of drums, and thin, monotonous whine of blasphemous flutes from inconceivable, unlighted chambers beyond time. The detestable pounding and piping, whereunto dance slowly, awkwardly, and absurdly, the gigantic, tenebrous, ultimate gods. The blind, voiceless, mindless gargoyles, whose soul is Yerlothotep. Yerlothotep by H.P. Lovecraft. First published, 1920, United Amateur. N-Y-A-R-L-A-T-H-O-T-E-P. And that stands for cool. Feel free to tweet about the show. I'm H.P. Knightley. Or subscribe to our feed at nighttimestories.org slash feed or in iTunes. Again, thank you for listening to today's short episode. I'm H.P. Knightley, and this has been Nighttime Stories. Nighttime Stories is released by Thuselai Media under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharelight 4.0 international license. Next week, something different, something the same. But remember, there is no truth here. <laughs>